put it out there on Facebook not that long ago of uh, what are some potential themes that you guys might want to see and got some excellent feedback from that. This one I knew would be a doozy as far as trying to come up with the uh, the bands and it was a good challenge. I liked it. Um, this is the cosmic and or anti-cosmic episode where all the bands or songs have to do with uh, something in that realm of like the cosmos you know. And uh, so it was a really interesting theme, and I, I uh, liked the challenge, and uh, I think I got a pretty good, uh, pretty good list here, pretty good lineup. So this one, uh, immediately when that theme was, was put out there, uh, this band and this uh, album, and really this song uh, jumped out to me immediately. I knew for sure this was going to be on the episode and going to be the opening song from the episode. The band is Dissection, one of my all-time favorites, and um, I'm going to play something off of uh, probably their most, I don't know, spiritual, I guess might be the word, album, uh, which would be their third and final. They only had the three full lengths, and uh, that album was called Rain Chaos, and that came out in April of 2006, and that was after uh, John Noteveit's uh, lengthy, well, I say lengthy, it wasn't as long as it should have been, uh, prison stay but um they released their second album in 95 and then i think it was in 97 when he was convicted of murder or an accomplice to murder and uh he was sentenced to i think he was sentenced to like 13 years but he only served seven of it like he was out by 2004 and immediately got the band going again and um i love that dvd the rebirth of uh, dissection DVD and that show that they did in Stockholm in 2004 it was amazing uh, the set list and everything and the fans were insane for it and uh, great performance and just picked up right where they left off in 97 pretty much but um, but yeah they released this album in 2006 on uh, Black Horizon Music I bought it um, the day it came out I remember going to Warehouse Music in North Richland Hills and picking up the CD and being a little confused by it because it didn't sound anything like their first two albums to me. These days I can hear more similarities, you know, now that some years have passed, but uh, back then I was like, this is strange because the songs were all like shorter and more traditionally um, arranged as far as having pretty set in stone, you know, verses, chorus, verse, chorus. Um, so yeah, it was a much more stripped down, simplistic and melodic uh, approach, but um it didn't take long for me to see how special that album was 
and I still view it as a really special album now. But uh, every single one of their records has has an, uh, something that makes it uh, pretty remarkable. So, uh, but yeah, this tune is one that just stood out to me as being a perfect fit for the episode and being a perfect uh, way to kick things off. So. Here we go off of their Rain Chaos album from 2006. This is Dissection with Starless Eon.
was Dissection from Sweden with Starless Eon. Really great song and uh, really great album. There's really only just a couple tracks that I might, uh, you know, nix off of that album to make it even stronger. Uh, but yeah, it, it took not long. Like, I, it, I did pause when I first heard it, but it didn't take long at all for me to, uh, to really appreciate what was there. But um, I miss that band, but I do think that, uh, that they pretty much did everything that they needed to do to cement their legacy. So, all right, we're going to jump to Canada here. This is actually a band that I kind of forgot was Canadian. In my head, they just were an American band. But they're from Toronto. So, uh, formed in 2015, and they have made quite a name for themselves in, in such a short time. The band is Tomb Mold, and Tomb Mold, um, I really liked their, their last album. I, I still haven't really uh, dove into their debut, but the second album I loved, and I played uh, at least one tune off of it on previous episodes, but... Um, but they just released their third album in July of last year called Planetary Clairvoyance, and I was really looking forward to that. It came out on 20 bucks spin, and um, it's really good. And I think it ended up making my uh, my album of the year list when it was all said and done at the end of last year. But um, they really kind of dove deeper into the you know more cosmic side of things uh, with their subject matter on this third album. And uh, I could say that same thing about uh, another band that I'm playing later in the episode. But yeah, Planetary Clairvoyance, everything was improved from the second album, which was, I loved that one anyways. But the songwriting is better. The production is perfect for, for this music. And um, I just think the songs are, are just so good. But um, but yeah, so it was a no-brainer to play them on this episode, especially this tune. I love this tune, so... Here we go from Toronto, Canada, off of Planetary Clairvoyance. This is Tomb Mold with Infinite Resurrection.
All right, that was Tomb Mold with Infinite Resurrection. Uh, if you haven't checked out that record, I can't recommend it enough as far as the uh, quote-unquote old-school death metal wave uh, is concerned. I think that they're among the best. Um, all right, we're going to go to the USA out of Oregon, which there's a, a thriving musical scene in the whole Pacific Northwest, whether it's Oregon or uh, Seattle and places like that. Uh, this band is called Mare Cognitum, and... Uh, They've put out four records so far, and uh, the fourth one I am not super familiar with. I'm not familiar with the first two either, honestly, but I have heard the third album and uh, enjoyed that quite a bit, so it was kind of a no-brainer for me to go to that one rather than dive into territory I'm not all that familiar with. But um, the next three tunes, honestly, three or four, are very keyboard-driven, and I've noticed that that is kind of a, a, a common thing when in terms of, uh, of bands that kind of follow this cosmic vibe uh, throughout their lyrics and everything. Um, it just kind of makes sense to kind of have a more ethereal or like even futuristic, you know, type sound, I guess. And uh, some, some keyboards kind of really, it's an easy way to, to um, portray that, that feel, you know, I don't know if that's the, the right term there, but uh, it's the easiest way to conjure up, you know, the kind of uh, emotions that they're wanting to conjure up and, and paint the picture that they want to paint, so be ready for a lot of keyboards in the next few songs, but they work, so there's a lot of bands uh, kind of like Summoning, you know, that, that kind of do a more uh, repetitive and lengthy songs that have a lot of uh, keyboards and, and just big uh, effects and things um, to kind of uh, paint this picture, so... That's kind of how this band is as well. So their third album that I was speaking of is called Phobos Monolith, and that came out in November of 2014 on Hanger. And uh, it's a good record. There's a lot of long-winded stuff on there, so be ready for, for some lengthy songs. But, I mean, I'm not one to shy away from lengthy songs. So, But uh, always loved this song, and uh, what drew me in initially was the title. I always liked the title of this one, but... Um, yeah, good fit for the episode. So here we go off of Phobos Monolith. This is Mare Cognitum with Weaving the Thread of Transcendence.
and then it just cuts out right there. Okay, that was Mare Cognitum with Weaving the Thread of Transcendence. I know that was a bit of a marathon, but uh, I appreciate you guys hanging in there. I thought that was a great tune with a lot of uh, nice twists and turns. But All right, we're going to jump to Brazil here. I admit that this is a band and or you know project, whatever you want to call it, that I am not familiar with at all. Um, in doing some research to try to find some bands to fill in uh, the lineup for this theme, this is one that I came across that uh, was totally new to me, and I just uh, dove in and, and decided to check out um, some of the material. It kind of blew me away, not even so much the music, like I like the music, but uh, just how prolific this band is. It started off as a two-man band in 2015, so it's only been five years here. And uh, then it dropped down to a one-man band, and now uh, more recently it's become a two-man band again. But uh, again, it's out of Brazil, and five years, they've put out seven full lengths. And uh, so there's been some years where they have multiple full lengths coming out in the same year. Um, this one, I you know, I admit that I, <laughs> I jumped into this album simply because of the title and the cover art and everything that just seemed like it fit the theme perfectly. The album is called Ancient Shadows of Saturn, and that came out in February of 2018. This is the fifth album out of the seven. came out on Flowing Downward Records. And uh, so, yeah, it's got, you know, the front cover is just like outer space with a big close-up of Saturn and its rings and its moons and all this other stuff and the stars. And I was just like, okay, well, that's a good start. Certainly checking off all the boxes with the, uh, <laughs> the uh, visual aspect of it. So... But uh, yeah, very keyboard-driven, and um, it's kind of follows suit with uh, like what we just heard from Mare Cognitum. Um, and there's not a lot of deviation from album to album. I checked out three of their albums, um, just kind of in you know researching which one I liked the best and felt like would be the best fit. And uh, but yeah, they've kind of just tread the same water so far through the uh, the five years. But it's quality stuff. So yeah, totally new to me. So this band is called Lumnos, and again, the album's called Ancient Shadows of Saturn, and this tune is called No Soul is Near.
All right, that was Lumnos from Brazil with No Soul Is Near. It's very well put together. Um, all the layers work really well together, and even the, the mix of it all uh, is very well done. The keys are, of course, way up front, but I'm not, I'm not bothered by that, actually. I think it works well uh, in their case. I, I think it's meant to be more of a atmospheric, key-based project than uh than anything you know resembling uh metal and guitar driven and things like that so i mean it works for what they're going for all right we're going to go to i say france this is where i know this project from but uh, i guess this guy has since moved to canada it's a one-man band uh one of my favorite um bands from the nature mocked productions roster and that is ownerism Ownerism has released two full lengths and two EPs. Uh, they did the first, the debut full length, and then there's been two EPs in between. And then they released the second album called Falling Moon in March of 2018. And again, that's on Nature Mocked Productions, my old label for Kriegsgrove. Um, and yeah, I mean, that roster is great anyways, but this is uh, is definitely one of my favorites. And uh, I bought this album, Falling Moon, um, right after I heard it for the first time. I thought it was amazing, so I purchased that. And I still think it's amazing. I go back to it fairly regularly. And um, I had to actually double-check, because I know I've played at least one song off of this album. And I had to double-check which one it was, so I don't play the same one again. But uh, it's a great record. And so is the debut uh, this guy's a really good guitar player, and I, I really like his voice as well. Uh, the tone of his screams I enjoy. But uh, but yeah, everything is all about um, the cosmos and outer space. And, you know, again, the album's called Falling Moon, and it's got a big picture of the moon on the front cover and all that. But, um, but there's some really good lyrics here. Um, I know English is not his first language, but, uh, but he does a really good job with the lyrics. But... Um, but yeah, great record. So if you dig this, check it out and check out the debut as well. So from France, originally, now in Canada, this is Onerism with See the End of the Worlds.
that was Onerism with See the End of the Worlds. I love that record. Um, it's not drastically different from the debut either. It's just something about that second record that I, I, I love that one. Um, okay, we're going to go to a two-man band out of Australia. I do not know how they pronounce their band name. It's either Mesarthim, Masartham, Mesartim. They might not pronounce the H. I don't know, but it's M-E-S-A-R-T-H-I-M. So I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. Um, I had to be a, I had to be pretty lame for this episode because there were I had literally was trying to find bands for this and googling like, you know, <laughs> extreme metal bands that have a cosmic lyrical theme or you know like I was just googling stuff like that and you actually it seems like such a crazy specific thing but it does come up with you know people have made lists of these are my top 30 you know cosmic themed uh, metal bands and and they were on more than a few of those lists so I said all right clearly there's something to to this project so I need to give it a listen so Gave it a listen, and it's pretty damn good, especially from an unsigned band. They've been unsigned, to my knowledge, through their entire existence, and they're still unsigned. And they've put out four full-length albums, and I'm going to play something off of the third album uh, of the four. The album's called The Density Parameter, and that came out in April of 2018, and they, of course, released it independently since they're not signed. But uh, so if you like this, you know, them being an independent band that's not signed, doing everything themselves and, and, you know, by all accounts, financing all of this themselves, I'm sure. So uh, if you like this, then find their band camp and and buy something because, uh, you know, you got to support these type of projects and keep them alive long enough for a label to notice them and sign them, you know. That's kind of what being in a band is is all about, is uh, just keeping your head above water and staying out there and trying to get noticed by the right people and hopefully you can get enough support from a label to uh, maybe have a little more money to do a little better production or a better packaging for an album or whatever you know that's my idea of, uh, of making it you know I never expect to make a living off of uh, my music or anything but my idea of making it is just being signed to a label and having it my music uh, out there, readily available for anyone to uh, to listen to, and and uh, and I feel pretty good about that. So, but yeah, this band is pretty good. Again, it's a two man band, and uh, so yeah, if you like it, then go check out their band camp. Again, the album's called The Density Parameter. This is Mesarthim. That's just how I'm gonna pronounce it. With collapse.
Alright, how's that for an ending? I love the ending section of that song. It feels like there's there was so much kind of repetition with the tempo and everything like that, but I still love that. It, it doesn't feel lazy to me. It feels very purposeful, and they're trying to create this certain kind of soundscape that goes throughout the whole thing, and then they have those, those more peaceful breaks in the song and uh, the fact that it closes with such intensity I feel like it, the whole song was leading up to that and it was just a perfect uh, climax to the song I really like that a lot um, okay we're gonna go well we're staying in Australia here we're going to Brisbane to a one-man band who I first heard of uh, off of an Emperor tribute album and I'm actually gonna play their song off of that Emperor tribute album because I remember hearing it and thinking it was such a cool rendition because they didn't just copy the song, they kind of did their own thing with it, and because um, most of this band's material is more on the doomy side, and um, so I just, not necessarily doom, I shouldn't even say that, but it's just slower, slower tempos. So the fact that they were covering this particular Emperor tune was interesting, and uh, they managed to take it and turn it into more of a slower to mid-paced um version of this song and the way that everything's kind of more spread out with the drums and uh, I just thought it was really well done and uh, really creative so uh, even though I probably should you know if you haven't heard this project before I should be playing something of theirs that's original but I was just too uh, tickled by this Emperor cover to not share it so uh, so all you Emperor fans out there you'll probably get a kick out of this as well if you haven't heard it but um They've done four full-length albums and just multiple splits. Uh, they've been around since 2007. But uh, this particular Emperor tribute came out in 2012, and uh, I forget exactly what it's called, but I mean, there's there's can't be <laughs> but a couple Emperor tribute albums out there, so I'm sure you'll come across it. But, um, but yeah, this project is called Midnight Odyssey, and they uh, did this cover by Emperor. The song is Cosmic Keys to My Creations and Times.
right, that was Midnight Odyssey with Cosmic Keys to My Creations and Times, originally by Emperor. I thought that was a brilliant cover. Um, okay, we're going to jump to Telemark, Norway, which coincidentally is where Emperor is from. But uh, this band I've played on more than a few occasions on previous episodes, and they're one of my favorites. Um, I've said this before, but like, you know, there was always kind of that bickering back and forth between, you know, who was better... Cradle of Filth or Dimu Borgir in terms of that symphonic black metal sound and who was better, who was better with those two. And I always had the mentality of like, I would take Limbonic Art and Anorexia Nervosa over both of those bands. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I was no good in uh, settling that argument. But, um, but yeah, I've always loved Limbonic Art and I feel like the, the orchestral, orchestral, part of it uh, has really been lacking since Morpheus left. Um, Damon does a good job. Uh, I think the last album um, has been a, a definite step up from the previous one, Phantasmagoria. Um, but yeah, the last last album, which I believe is called The Spectre Within. Um, I love the record, but I, can't, I, for whatever reason, can't think of the name of it specifically right now. But uh, I think that's what it's called. But... Um, but yeah, that's definitely better, but it doesn't doesn't uh, compare to the old stuff, and uh, the symphonic elements in the old stuff was really good. Um, a lot of people really hold the first two albums in super high regard, the first three albums really, but, um, but yeah, I love those albums for sure, but one that always stood out to me as being my favorite was the fourth album, Dynasty of Death, or it's called Ad Noctum, Dynasty of Death. And um, so they've got eight albums total, so this was the fourth, and it came out on Nocturnal Art Productions, and it came out in 1999, and the title track is like my all-time favorite Limbonic Art song, and I believe I've played that on an older episode uh, as well. That song, Dynasty of Death, is phenomenal, but uh, I'm actually going to play the opening cut from that album. Uh, they deal with a lot of, you know, kind of cosmic um, imagery with their lyrics and uh, album covers and such over the years. And, uh, and this album was, was no exception. So here we go from Norway. This is Limbonic Art with The Dark Paranormal Calling.
All right, that was Limbonic Art with The Dark Paranormal Calling. Great song, great album. Um, it's such a wall of sound, that production, too. It's, a, it's an intense listen from start to finish, that album, but I love it. All right, we're going to go to St. Petersburg, Russia. This is an independent band that's uh, been around since 2015, so they're fairly new. They did an EP in 2015, and then they, they just released a single in 2017 and they haven't done anything since <laughs> but they're still listed as active they're unsigned uh, everything they've released has been independent up to this point uh, I'm not sure how they pronounce it but it's just spelled D-A-A-T so I'm just gonna say dot I'm guessing but um, yeah they were another one that just kinda popped up on lists you know that I was looking up of people like citing their favorite uh, bands that kinda have this theme uh, to their lyrics and things like that, and uh, so I checked it out on their Bandcamp because that's pretty much all they have is the Bandcamp. So yeah, they have the EP and the single. So I went ahead and listened to the single because I wanted to check out what their most recent sound was, and it came out in June of 2017, released just independently digitally, and it's called "Bring Thy Poison, Samael," and uh, it was good. I really enjoyed it. So. I figured I would share it now. I'm all for sharing uh, music from more unknown artists and, and uh, trying to spread the word a little bit and get some people going to their page and buying things and supporting. So, yeah, I had not heard of this band before, but I enjoyed this single, so I'm sharing it with you now. So, from Russia, this is Dot, at least that's how I'm going to say it, with Bring Thy Poison, Samael.
Russia with Bring Thy Poison Samael. I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but the opening notes um, that are played, you know, several times there uh, of that song are the same notes from uh, White Wedding by Billy Idol. <laughs> so go back and listen to it again. You'll hear it. All right, we're going to jump back to the USA here for the next couple of tunes. Uh, we're going to go to Denver, Colorado here. This is Blood Incantation, and Blood Incantation is one of the... Uh, the rising stars of that whole uh, old school death metal revival. Um, a lot of people, they're getting a lot of hate for some reason because people are just kind of viewing that whole revival as just like, oh, they're just rehashing old Morbid Angel riffs and calling it something new. And 
And I don't really hear that with a lot of these uh, old school death metal bands. And that doesn't even sound old school to me. It sounds like when I think old school death metal, I'm thinking of like old Deicide and Death and Morbid Angel and Obituary and stuff like that. And these bands don't sound like that. To me, they sound, they have more in common with bands from the Northeast from the early 90s, like uh, old Immolation or Incantation, especially the production and everything like that. I think it has a lot more in common with that uh, scene than anything else. But um, but yeah, this band uh, kind of blends that old school style with some real kind of melodic flair here and there. There's just really good guitar playing. And um, their last album, Star Spawn, was very good. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Uh, but they've really refined and polished their, their sound and their style of writing uh, on this new one. They... Uh, Released this one in November of last year on Dark Descent Records. It's their second album overall. It's called Hidden History of the Human Race. It has a really striking uh, album cover, and there's a lot of kind of like alien theme, not only with the cover art, but just kind of in the uh, in the lyrics as well. And uh, yeah, this was a, I've used the phrase no-brainer uh, a few times here in this episode, but yeah, this was another one that was a no-brainer to me whenever the uh, the theme was was pitched. Um, I thought of Dissection first, and then thought of this band second <laughs> as what to play on the episode. So, um, so yeah, really good record that I, I thought about playing the really freaking epic track that closes out the album, but it's like 16 minutes long, and I just didn't want to do that to you guys. Uh, it might be longer than that even now that I think about it, but um, it's really good, but I didn't want to do that to you guys. So I'm playing one of the shorter ones uh, uh, from the rest of the album. Because it starts off with, I think it's four just kind of reasonably timed songs. And then there's that just behemoth that closes everything out. So, uh, but yeah, this is a really good tune. I think this is one of the singles they released off of it before the album came out. But yeah, if you dug the first album, you will definitely like the second album. So off of Hidden History of the Human Race, this is Blood Incantation with Inner Paths to Outer Space.
Alright, that was Blood Incantation from Denver, Colorado with Inner Paths to Outer Space. You can definitely hear, uh, if you've heard the debut especially, you can compare just how more melodic they've become. That that song was a, a really good example of that. Uh, it just kind of, through much of it, it barely resembles a, a death metal album at all. But um, But it's really well done and great guitar work on there. We're going to stay in the USA here, and we're going to go to Florida, and this is one of the classic uh, bands from the uh, the late 80s, early 90s. Um, I've played this band before, so I'm not going to go into a, a long spiel about their history, but I'll just kind of summarize it here. The band is Nocturnus AD, and that's uh, you know a continuation of the band Nocturnus, which of course was around from the late 80s, early 90s. Um, they formed by uh, Mike Browning. Mike Browning was the original drummer slash vocalist for Morbid Angel through the mid-80s, and, uh, and then he was let go and, and replaced with uh, David Vincent and, you know, Pete Sandoval on drums. And uh, so then, yeah, he went on to form Nocturnus, and he it's just real sci-fi-based, like, spacey death metal with keys, some real cheesy keyboards that they used back in the day, but that really kind of made them stand out from the Florida scene. Nobody else was using cheesy keys uh, in their death metal, but um, they released two albums uh, in, in 91 and 93. One was called The Key, and the other one was called Thresholds, and uh, they were both very kind of highly regarded uh, from fans, you know, uh, from that scene down there. They they really enjoyed them. I enjoy them. The production's pretty shitty on both of them, but uh, there's some, there's, I don't know, there's a charm to those albums, uh, Just and it's because of the keys. The, the keyboards really make it stand out. But uh, Mike Browning's vocals were always decent, but not great. Um, but his drumming was pretty good, pretty tight. But then, yeah, through the 90s, he left the band and they replaced him, which is weird because it was his band, you know. His, his baby, and he left, and they replaced him with somebody else, and they released an album in, like, 1997 or something, I want to say, but it was just, it was terrible. It didn't sound anything like them. I don't, I don't even think there were keyboards on it, but uh, then it just fell apart. But Mike Browning formed a band called After Death, I believe, um, and it was pretty much just meant to be a continuation of Nocturnus, and then it would kind of fizzle out and start again and then fizzle out and then he tried to revive Nocturnus but then he had a name dispute uh, for some reason or another I, I would have assumed that he owned the name but I guess not so then he had to change it yet again to Nocturnus AD and now he's like the only original guy and it's all different people but they were releasing an album uh, that you know they were describing as like this is going to channel that classic sound from our first two albums and um and they did. They released it in May of last year called Paradox. So technically this is their debut album as Nocturnus AD. But uh, as I said, there was already three full lengths out there from the original Nocturnus. But this came out on Profound Lore. And it's great. Like the production is not that far off. Like it's a little better, of course, than the early 90s albums. But it's not that far off. It still stays pretty raw. And the keyboards is my favorite part because... These days, you know, you hear bands like Cradle of Filth and stuff, they, they have a keyboard player, but on their albums they're using full orchestras and stuff. They're not just using old-sounding keyboard, you know, effects and things like that. But on this album, Nocturnus AD did exactly that. They used an old-as-hell keyboard setup, and it just sounds just as cheesy as on those first two albums, but that's what makes it great. It sounds like uh, it fit right in with those first two records from the early 90s, so I love that. 
Uh, Mike Browning's vocals have gotten weaker. They were never great to begin with, but they're a little weaker now. He's just kind of aggressively talking, you know, in my opinion. But um, the drumming is good, and the guitar playing is good, and the cheesy keys just make it. So here we go. This is a fun one, and this is a bit of a throwback song title for their debut album, which was called The Key. So off of the album Paradox, this is Nocturnus AD with The Return of the Lost Key.
That was Nocturnus AD with The Return of the Lost Key. By the way, did you guys like how I said that I was not going to do a whole long spiel about the history of Nocturnus, and then I gave you a whole long spiel about the history of Nocturnus? Yeah. That's just kind of what I do. Long-winded is my thing. Alright, let's jump back to Norway here out of Trondheim. This band existed from 2000 to 2009. They only had two full-length albums, and uh, they only lasted until 2009 because of the untimely shooting death of their singer. Um, I don't really know all the details about all that. All I remember was, I think it was like a friend of his, like somebody that he knew that he was supposedly pretty good friends with, that somebody ended up shooting him and, and killing him. And uh, so that was just kind of where the band uh, finished right there, But because um, I guess it was kind of the singer's project you know so the other guys didn't really feel right about continuing it just with another singer or anything but uh the band is called celestial bloodshed and uh again like i said they released two albums i'm going to play something off of the second it's called cursed scarred and forever possessed and that came out in april of 08 and it was uh, really well received at the time um it came out on deborah Morty productions and um it's good. It's pretty straightforward black metal. There's nothing wrong with it at all. Um, they're a band that kind of... I had heard about them when the singer was killed. You know, I, I read the stories about it and heard some of their stuff back then. But I, they just kind of fell off my radar. I hadn't really gone back and listened to much of any of their stuff um, in the years that have passed since then. So it was kind of nice to go back to this record and uh, listen to it again and, and uh, appreciate it maybe a little more this time around. So... But yeah, it's just straight up good black metal. And he was a good vocalist. He had a great voice, I thought. But um, but yeah, off of the album Cursed, Scarred, and Forever Possessed, this is Celestial Bloodshed with Truth is Truth Beyond the God. Yeah.
All right. That was Celestial Bloodshed from Norway with Truth is Truth Beyond the God. All right, we've reached that time where I have to announce the final song of the episode. I want to thank you all once again for listening, and thanks for telling other people about the podcast. Uh, If you want to tell someone how they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com. They can listen on the free Podbean app, which I highly recommend. And the entire catalog of new and old episodes is on Spotify, so you can find it there and follow it. And uh, for any sort of feedback or requests or just any sort of messages you want to send, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of updates regarding uh, episodes or questions for the fans or anything like that, um, is it's all going to be posted there. So find it and follow it and you can stay up to date. All right, we're going to go to France to finish this off. This band formed in 1994. It's hard to believe that they've been around that long, but uh, they release so much stuff, it seems. But um, the band is Blutaus Nord, and they're one of my favorites of that kind of avant-garde style. Um, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with that style because I think so many bands try to just be strange for the sake of being strange, and they just try to make the weirdest-sounding stuff they can make, and and it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and it feels very forced to me, but uh, Blutaus Nord, I felt like it always came really natural for them, and still comes natural for them. Their last album, Hallucinogen, um, there's my dryer, my clothes are ready, um, in case you heard that loud noise in the background. But uh, yeah, their their last album uh, was on my album of the year list at the end of the year. I thought that was incredible. Uh, so they just kind of, they never cease to amaze me, even this far into their career, but... Again, they formed in 94 in Normandy, France, and they released some albums. um, Some are a lot stranger than others, and there was a series of albums that were more straightforward and more melodic and a little bit easier for people to get into, and it's their Memoria Vetusta albums. So they released Memoria Vetusta Part 1 in 1996, and uh, then it was a long gap in between, and I remember when this one came out, Memoria Vetusta Part 2, the subtitle is called Dialogue with the Stars. And um, this got like rave reviews because some of their stuff from the early and mid-2000s was starting to get really hard to listen to. <laughs> it was getting really avant-garde and really weird. And uh, so, yeah, they just kind of came out of the blue in 2009 with this one. Uh, it's their seventh album out of 13. I think they're up to now full lengths, but they've got countless just EPs and stuff. Um, so there's a lot of releases from them, but yeah, this came out in 09 on Candlelight Records, and then they have since, uh, in 2014, released Memoria Vetusta Part 3, and, um, but yeah, they're just more straightforward, more melodic, and, uh, easier to digest for some people, but, um, but yeah, I, I enjoy, you know, a lot of the weird albums, I enjoy some of these more straightforward albums, there's just, uh, there's nothing to hate, but, um, of the three Memoria Vetusta albums, I think Part 2 is still my favorite, so I wanted to play something off of that, especially with the subtitle of Dialogue with the Stars. It seemed like it fit perfectly for this theme, so here we go. I am going to actually try and um, do another episode next weekend, so instead of the usual two-week break, I'm going to try and do another one next weekend just because it, it, the way it lines up um, is better for me doing it next weekend and then just going every two weeks from there. So I have my reasons. Don't question me. 
But uh, but yeah, so hopefully uh, I'll have a new one out in seven days. We'll see if I can manage to get that done this week. So won't be a themed episode either. It'll be a normal episode. So hope you guys enjoyed this one. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in a week. So closing it out from France. This is Blutouse Nord with Antithesis of the Flesh. Cheers, everyone. Yeah.